We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, presented by the Armchair All-Americans. We're back for another episode, episode 35 of the Spurs Up Show. Uh, got a very special guest on with us again today, no Tyler Clark. Uh, again, and I'm your host, Chris Phillips, as always. Before we get into him, kind of break everything down with that, be sure to go online. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, we've been getting a lot of traction, a lot of a lot of following with the podcast. I'm not sure what you're doing at this point if you're not following along, but... Go online, rate, subscribe, share, download the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, uh, our website at armchairallamericans.com, really wherever you consume your media. Go check us out. Um, also, be sure to check, check us out on our social media handles. We're on Twitter at armchairscar. That's going to be at armchairscar. Instagram at armchairscarolina. Uh, and again, like I mentioned, be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com. This, this podcast is brought to you by... Uh, Andrew and our good friends at armchairallamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to the website. We've got a lot of cool things going on there. Uh, all of our sports coverage. Check us out, your latest breaking Gamecock news, the podcast, of course, like I mentioned. Um, so, again, like I said, no Tyler Clark again today, but we do have another very, very special guest. Uh, obviously, as we all know, the Gamecocks had a huge official visit week uh, weekend over the weekend this past weekend, and also National Signing Day is coming up. So I thought, who better to bring on uh, than Armchair's very own uh, Alex Reynolds. Alex is the armchair recruiting head for Armchair Americans. You can find those guys over at Armchair Recruit, and they do a fantastic job of uh, kind of making you know the fun, light side of recruiting. Also, do a lot of great interviews with a lot of top prospects. We actually just had Mark Fox featured. I'm sure a lot of you saw that on our Armchair South Carolina page. They've done a lot of great interviews, like I said. So, want to welcome welcome on Alex to the show. Alex, how's it going? Glad, good to have you back, and appreciate you taking your time to come on. Thanks for having me on, Chris. How's it going? Man, it's going really good. Just uh, you know, hoping a couple of these uh, these big names sign on next week. I mean, looking forward to um, looking forward to next Wednesday. I know, you know, I remember from last year. I'm sure you know it's it's one of the craziest days of the year for sure. Kind of news is dropping all over the place. So um, before we get into that, though, obviously South Carolina had signed about 18 players on the early signing period back in what was that December, I believe. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I want to get your take on kind of, you know, obviously you've been a guy who's been pretty big in recruiting. You follow it pretty closely and kind of just want to get your opinion. How do you feel about the early signing period? Is it something you like? Is it something you dislike? And how do you think it's going to change college football recruiting, you know, just overall? Um, it's got a couple different sides to it. I'm sure next year we're going to see it handled a lot differently than we did it this year just because nobody really knew how to handle it. But Obviously, it worked out uh, very well for South Carolina with all these in- early enrollees, and the the they were able to sign majority of their class in the early signing period. Now, on the other hand, we kind of saw schools that were transitioning into new coaching staffs. It really kind of hurt them with all these guys getting signed away, and now there's not a lot of people for them to recruit between December and uh, signing day coming up next week. So it kind of depends where you are. Um, and how, how you stand on it, but it's certainly interesting from a coverage perspective. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think it's, uh, you know, if you are in the middle of a coaching change, I definitely think it can be detrimental to you. I mean, you saw South Carolina kind of steal away Rosendo Lewis, who was a 
Florida State commitment, and I think he kind of referenced it. Just sort of came down to, you know, he was really close with Jimbo Fisher when he left. You know, I think Will Muschamp and T. Rob and those guys kind of saw the opportunity to go swoop him up, and you know, it's a great get for the Gamecocks. But yeah, you definitely make a great point there about teams going through coaching changes, how it can affect them. Um, you know, like you mentioned, South Carolina had 18 commits. I think they did a really good job. Sit around, depending on what service you look at, whether it's two four or 24 seven sports or Rivals or ESPN, wherever you look. Uh, South Carolina sits about 15 to 20th, I would say, in those recruiting rankings uh, as of right now before we get to National Signing Day. Alex, talk about kind of your evaluation of South Carolina's class. Do you think they address their needs or, um, you know, you know, do you think they address the needs to going forward to 2018? Did Will Muschamp kind of get the guys he needed on his defensive side? We know about kind of the lack of depth there. And talk about some of the top standouts that you see from that early signing period that South Carolina was able to uh, to reel in as well. Um. There's a lot of kind of low-key hype behind this class. Like, I think I do think Will Muschamp is doing a, a very well job. Um, I mean, he's done well on the field, so that's kind of translated into success in the recruiting. I think we saw that in the later part of the fall when the Gamecocks were starting getting closer to that. Seven, eight wins, uh, we started had it, having some bigger recruits paying more attention. And then they were able to, you know, to, to swing these Israel Mukulamus, these, you know, J.C. Horns. Um so you've got some guys at the top, you know, like your, you know, your JC Horns that that really kind of stand out, and you kind of expect them to be, uh, if not day one starters, at least day one contributors. Um, so you've got a couple guys like that, but I think the biggest thing we're seeing through this class is just it, it looks to be solid all the way through. Um, even your guys that are a little bit lower rated three stars. Um, they they really look like they could be solid guys, um, especially seeing what uh, Coach Muschamp has done uh, coaching up the lesser talent guys these past two years. Yeah, I think South Carolina got a ton of solid three stars. One guy even, I'm, I, I'm not sure you can correct me if he's a three or four star, but Kingsley and Nagbar is kind of a guy I'm looking at the defensive end. Uh, I definitely think he can be a huge contributor for South Carolina he's, defense. Um, he's definitely on my list. Of, he he did get bumped up to four stars. He did get. That's uh, right. He actually did yeah. just get. Re, yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, he did recently. The one guy I can't believe is not a four stars or Sendo Lewis. I know I've said his name a couple of times, but he's right. Know, he was in the under. He's right on that edge. But yes, um, he's going to be real interesting because I I think a lot of fans weren't necessarily happy with that commitment because they were you know they were looking they were hoping for a Channing Tindall or a Dax Hollyfield, right? And um, ended up getting Rosendo Louise. But I think I think we'll be. Um, surprised with uh, the product he brings to the field. Yeah, um, he definitely seems like a must champ kind of kind of guy. It, sort of like a not, um, year one, but I mean, we see you know how he puts Sherrod Green in there in certain situations, and you know he'll he'll make decent plays. Um, you know, we saw how TJ Brunson played every now and then his freshman year. Now he's kind of came on uh, um, in his sophomore year. I think that's the type of guy Rosendo Louis could be. Yeah, no, 100%. So one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, just kind of off the top of my head, but one thing I find really interesting about kind of the early signing period is it's really given kids the, you know, the opportunity to enroll early, which is something that, you know, we'd seen from time to time, but I think with every single recruiting class, it was kind of an anomaly where you maybe have two or three guys come in early that are able to kind of complete their coursework. Now I kind of feel like the trend is almost shifting to where most of these guys are trying – I mean, South Carolina, I think, has got 10 guys coming in early that are going to participate in spring ball and go through, obviously, all the summer workouts. They're going through workouts right now before spring ball. How do you think, if at all, do you think that's going to change at all, like the impact that freshmen have on college football teams? I mean, obviously, we saw what happened with Jake Bentley. He enrolled early and played. You know, we all have heard the narrative. You know, he played his freshman year when he should have been a senior in high school – I think it's just really interesting. It almost seems, you know, where in college basketball you look at it where age really doesn't matter. I mean, a team will start five freshmen on the floor and make the Final Four or whatever, make a deep run. But I just kind of find it really interesting to see all these early enrollees, and it kind of, you know, comes off to me that, you know, playing freshman is going to be – it's not going to be quite as rare as it used to be. Is that is that kind of the feeling you have? or? Um, I don't know how quickly we'll, we'll see an impact um... – I mean, I don't think it's, you know, it's any any secret that getting on campus a semester early and getting on a college, you know, a college nutrition program and getting in the college weight room is going to help you um, excel on the field faster. 
Um, but like, say we look at a guy like Hank Manos, who he, uh, the center commit, who um, he kind of has all the skill in the world, but he's a wrestler in high school. So I think he, he had to play at a, a pretty light weight. He started off a senior season, I think, about 260. And I think at the senior bowl, he was maybe 280. So that's really undersized for a, a D1 center. So now he's got a, a, a semester to put on that weight instead of being thrown in there. I don't know if he's going to be expected to start, but getting thrown in there immediately in, in August and, you know, being he don't have time to put on that 20, 30 pounds, whatever, of, of, of good muscle. So I think yeah. it's going to make a big difference in, in freshmen's ability to contribute on the field. Um, I still think if you ask any coach, they're going to play, you know, their two-year starter over, you know, an incoming freshman if they have the, if they have the option to. But I do think um, you may see a difference with these schools that are able to get a good amount of early enrollees um, that might impact the quality of their, their freshman place, their, their, their first season. Yeah, I 100% agree with you saying, you know, it's definitely a huge advantage to get on campus early and go through spring ball and just you kind of get a step, you know, a step ahead, especially for those guys, offensive guys have to learn the playbook, stuff like that, especially young quarterbacks. Um, And, you know, we've seen that obviously with Jake Bentley as well. So uh, moving on to kind of currently what's going on with recruiting, huge official visit weekend over the weekend. You had guys like Dylan Wanham, Rick Sandage, Warren Thompson, some other names on campus from 2019 that we talked about. Um, the, the, the two I want to focus on, though, and we can we can talk about Warren Thompson as well. I think he's kind of a name that's sort of just recently come up. But, you know, the offensive tackle, Dylan Wanham, brother of DJ Wanham, who's already on the team, and then the defensive tackle out of Concord, North Carolina, Rick Sandage, who's down to South Carolina, Georgia, and I believe UNC. Is that the third team? Um, yeah. UNC. Okay, perfect. Um, so talk about kind of those guys between Wanham and Sandage. Who – um, what's your feeling sort of on those guys? Have you heard anything after the official visit weekend? Obviously you don't have to make like any, uh, any crystal ball predictions or anything like that. We'll leave it to the other guys, but talk about sort of your, just your kind of your gut reaction feelings with those guys about, you know, the prospects of them signing with South Carolina next week. Um, every report I've seen following the, the, the official visits this weekend was that they're extremely positive for, um, there's pretty much four main 2018 guys that came to campus this weekend. It was like you said, uh, Dylan Wanham, Rick Sandage, um, Warren Thompson, and we also had John Mincy as a Mincy. Yeah, that's, uh, one, that's the name yeah, I forgot about. The defensive end there, they're they're looking at uh, to kind of fill out one of these last spots, and um, supposedly it went went very well for everybody involved. Um, I think for a while now, uh, Wanham's kind of there's no such thing as a lock, obviously, in recruiting. Right. But, uh, there's there hasn't been any indication that he's he's going anywhere else. Um, so he's fully expected to become part of this class right now. Uh, Rick Sandage is kind of a different story. Now, there hasn't been anything negative, um, but I know Georgia insiders also feel strongly about where they stand with him. And this is one we, we knew the whole time was going to go down to the wire between uh, South Carolina and Georgia. Um, it's very kind of similar to the Jemias Williams situation last year. Um, Georgia led for periods. South Carolina led for a long period. Um, towards the end, it was kind of a seesaw in the last couple of weeks. You really didn't know where what he was thinking, where he was going. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. I think he'll, um, he should be notifying the coaches probably sometime later this week, but we won't find out till signing day where he's actually going. Um, that's one. South Carolina fans don't have any reason to feel unconfident, but, uh, it's definitely when nobody really knows what's going on in his head right now. Yeah, I think anytime you're going up against the dogs and recruiting, especially with the way Kirby Smart's recruiting over there at Georgia, I mean, they're just they're kind of getting everybody they want at this point. Um, and it's a battle we see, um, you know, if not every cycle, all, you know, we see it so often, and we've seen South Carolina walk away with some, we've seen Georgia walk away with some. So it's just one of those you don't want to say he's going here or he's going there, just knowing how these battles have gone in the past. Let me ask you this. You brought up Jamias Williams. Um, I'm not sure if you can kind of recall your feelings at this time last year for him, but would you say you're more you were more confident for Jamias signing with South Carolina or Rick Sandage? Oh no, I was I, I was in a pretty similar situation. Um, okay, but I do. It's very similar because uh, it was South Carolina had was pretty was was in the. Um, felt to be in the lead for a long time leading up to the end. And then it was just those last few weeks there for Jemias where it was kind of, oh, Georgia might is right back in it again. 
we don't know really where this is going. So it's really that is is really a similar situation. And um, you know, I if I if I were somebody else putting in a crystal ball, I would probably say South Carolina, but it could it could go either way. Right, absolutely. So with that being said, you know, you mentioned the four for 2018. Um, who would you say is the most important player maybe out of those guys that South Carolina needs to land to kind of push this class over the top? Um, I don't ever like to say there's a most important player, but I know it's going to look really bad if they don't get Rick Sandage. If they don't I get agree Rick 100%. Sandage, South Carolina was pretty much uh, swept on all Power 5 D linemen in this cycle. Which doesn't mean they're gonna, you know, run out of defensive linemen on the field. Um, you know, the room's pretty deep right now, but and it doesn't mean the cycle's gonna break the position. But it just doesn't look good from a recruiting perspective that they weren't able to land any any of the Power Five defensive linemen in either North Carolina or South Carolina. No, yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, you missed kind of guys you expected to miss out on, but Channing Tindall, KJ Henry, guys like that. I feel like you've just got it. You've got a Lance Sandage. He's the kind of he's the sort of big time defensive lineman, you know that I think we all, that I think that we all think is going to come in and could make an immediate you know immediate impact. So, and it's sort of yep. like you said, it's going to sort of feel like if you don't get Rick Sandage, you had every opportunity to get him and just kind of drop the ball. So, I personally, I would be surprised if they don't get him simply because I think. You know, Will Muschamp, he's one of the best at what he does. So I would be a little surprised. But like you said, with that with that kid, I think it's going to be – he might not even know going into signing day. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, looking over the 2018 signing class, uh, you know, in your opinion, Alex, who do you think, as far as looking ahead of the 2018 season, who do you think has the potential to be the biggest contributor for the Gamecocks in the fall? You mean um, next year or just eventually? Uh, we'll say as like as a freshman, just like in their freshman season. Um, we'll probably have either probably JC Horn will be will have plenty of time to play, so um, I'd say him. Um, he should be you know he should be one that's expected to step up into a starting role kind of right right away with all the bodies that are leaving, um, in the defensive backfield. So um, I'd say he's one that, that that I would expect to come in and have a, a pretty good freshman campaign. Maybe um, something you know similar that we saw Jemias Williams. He wasn't always polished. He struggled at times, but for a freshman, you know, he he was able to play and not really sacrifice. You know, you didn't the team didn't hurt for it. Right. You know, I, I was actually going to chime in with mine. I was going to say Josh. Van, I know he's a guy you've gotten to see on uh, on tape a little bit. How do you feel about? I kind of almost expect him to have like a Shy Smith esque. You know, I don't think Shy Smith blew up by any means, but, you know, was a dependable I, guy, you know, got his touches, you know, showed the big playmaking ability. And obviously I think we all expect him to be a huge contributor uh, this season. But that, that's kind of one guy I've got my eye on is Josh Van, just his playmaking, playmaking ability out there, complimenting Debo and Brian Edwards and Ortrey and that, that stellar group of receivers. He's gonna be um, he's gonna be a real solid player for the Gamecocks. The only thing that's stopping him is just how crowded that wide receiver room is right now. Um, the good thing for him is he kind of fits in nicely. He's pretty much a slot middle of the field receiver. She's just he's just so quick, and um, that'll help him out. Um, I think we kind of all expected Shai Smith to kind of. No, he had a ton of praise in the preseason camp. Yeah, but he he was just we see him all over the field, and I'm sure they're going to want to do more of that in 2018. So um, he he Josh Van should be another one that uh, he will get playing time, and I know we're going to see those splash plays out of him. I just think JC uh, Horn's going to be he's going to be thrust into a role where he's he has responsibility. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, I agree with you. So out of this class. Alex, who would you say is the most underrated signing? Maybe Gamecock fans aren't – maybe we're not talking about or Gamecock fans maybe aren't looking out quite as highly. You know, I really like Hank Manos. Um, I don't know if he's someone that – I think people have kind of recognized that he's he's good and, you know, he's probably better than his three-star ranking. Um, and I've seen a lot of uh, recruiting analysts say he will likely get bumped to four-star. Um but 
Um, he's probably my number one choice. A guy that's uh, pretty interesting to me is Jonathan Gibson, a uh, defensive back out of uh, Georgia. Um, he's just a guy. Um, he's we South Carolina hasn't really had. I know Stephen Montag blew somebody up this year, but that that DJ Swearinger hard hitting safety that kind of he steps onto the field and he brings an an atmosphere to him like with him right that the whole stadium kind of feels uh just watching his tape Jonathan Gibson kind of to me feels like he could be that guy and what I've read about him um so he's somebody I'm kind of excited to see that a lot of people aren't talking a ton about but um Hank Manos probably far as somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if we see him uh starting as a freshman yeah no, absolutely this, definitely losing yeah, and you also lose your center in Alan Knotts. I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure who they've got. I'm sure they've got an idea of somebody to fill in that role, maybe Sedarius Hutcherson, or uh, I'm not sure who Alan Knotts' backup was. Yep. But and I, I'd also be, I'd also be remiss to not talk about um, Kingsley Enogbarry. All right. Oh yeah, Enogbarry. Um, apparently, after uh, so far in winter workouts, the coaches are really high on him. Um, Will Moshamp said he, he believes he could be a first round NFL talent if um, you know everything kind of pans out. So, wow, um, well, I did not know that. You know he's he's got that four star right now. Um, so I don't know that he's necessarily um, under the radar guy, but uh, he's somebody I think um, we're going to see be a very good player for the Gamecocks. Yeah, absolutely. That was one I was going to list. Uh, I was going to go back to offense. I keep I keep talking about offensive guys, but. Uh, one guy I'm kind of I think might be a sleeper on offense is Levante Valentine, the speedster out of Florida, the track, the track star. I just think you know I've heard a lot about the kid as far as South Carolina hasn't had a sort of breakaway speed like this kid possesses. I mean I, I, I honestly haven't seen a ton of tape on him, and you know so it, it'll be interesting to see him on the field. Kind of you know there's a difference I think between track speed and football speed. Yep. So he's, uh, he's fast. There's uh, there's no doubt about that. I think the thing I like most about him is just how well. He compliments the other back they're bringing in this class, Deshaun Fenwick. Yeah, who's completely opposite of, of Valentine. He's six three. Um, how many six three running backs do you see in two hundred ten pounds? Yeah, absolutely. So you know he they got a bruiser and somebody that can run away. And I, Levante Valentine, I don't think he's only about. Um, I think about one ninety right now, but I'm sure he'll gain some weight to get at least get up above two hundred. But by all means, he's not somebody that you know can't take a hit. Yeah, absolutely. You speak about size, especially in the one guy. He's not a sleeper at all, but I'm really just intrigued to see Israel Mokwamu play in the secondary at six foot four. I mean, I, I just I can't remember the I can't remember the last time I've seen a defensive back like that big. I mean, that's that's going to be a huge. Saying, go ahead. I do not believe he's playing. He's going to play cornerback. I will not believe he's playing cornerback until I see. He's going to. I thought he was going to play safety anyways, right? Or or uh, I guess on his Twitter yeah. account, he has been saying he's going to play corner. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, but um, that would be a, <laughs> a sight to see. Yeah, I'm very excited for him. I mean, um, you know, he's another guy they were able to scoop up late. Um, they they don't call Will Muschamp the flipper for no reason. He he really showed everybody that this this cycle. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be a spectacle a spectacle to watch, especially yeah. being. I feel like by, he's uh, just going to be Will Muschamp and T Rob. I feel like he's just going to be towering over all of our other defensive backs. You're, you're never going to lose him on the field, I feel like, for sure. So nope. that'll that'll definitely – I mean, South Carolina's ever playing a team that has like a big-time wide receiver. You, I think you know who you want to kind of at least shadow on his side for sure. So, <laughs> But uh, kind of moving on, Alex, you know, as far as moving into next, next week, National Signing Day, um, Right now, do you feel like there will be any kind of surprises or shockers? Obviously, we know the, the drama that's going to follow with Rick Sandage. But do you feel like there's going to be any shockers or any surprises leading up with the guys that South Carolina is trying to kind of lock down the rest of the class? Or do you sort of feel like at this point it's sort of Carolina knows who they're going to get and Rick Sandage is sort of the only – maybe Sandage and Dylan Wanham are kind of the only ones sort of up in the air right now? Well, South Carolina doesn't have spots for the guys they're recruiting right now. So we're going to see some type of movement. Um I think um, – so it's, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see who actually signs on National Signing Day. Now there's a couple guys like Warren Thompson and John Mincy who may or may not um, be leaning towards South Carolina right now, but are, they're definitely recruiting them like they are. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And I think we're going to have at least 
two guys fall out of this class that are have been uh, committed for a while now. Lamarius Benson, um, he is pre- he's he was looking. Uh, I think he was on a visit at UCF uh, recently, and it's pretty much looking like he's going there. Um, the national champions. National champions. Yep, the national <laughs> champions. So I mean, who can you know who can who can fault him? And um, Ronnie Jamison, which was a JUCO wide receiver. And I think both of these guys were kind of, you know, just didn't make the, just didn't end up making the talent cut for these because they're recruiting these high class, uh, these, you know, these high end prospects towards the end of the cycle. Um, to me, I, I actually really liked Ronnie Jamison on film. Um, he's a, he was a local Irmo guy. So it was kind of cool seeing him commit. He's, he was a lifelong Gamecock and he's a guy who really popped out on the highlight tape, but he was just never able to, to put in, put together any consistent production. Yeah, do you know where where is he going now? Do you? I, I've heard a lot about that. Uh, really, kind of just like I haven't, lo- I haven't lost seen any, anything. I know he has offers from Coastal and Georgia State, so okay. Um, I don't know if those are committable, but no, he was one I, I wasn't able to find too much info on, other than right. he's not really expected to be part of the Gamecocks class at this point. Right. Um, so now, it's going to be really interesting to see who commits out of John Mincy, um, Warren Thompson, Dylan Wonham, and Rick Sandage. Um, John Mincy obviously fills a need on that defensive line. He's a lower, lower three-star guy, but I think most people would agree if, you know, Mushamp kind of gives him his seal of approval, he's probably uh, an okay, an okay guy. Um, Warren Thompson, to me, is really interesting. He's a higher four-star wide receiver and he was committed to Oregon and then um, decommitted when uh, Tiger went to Florida state and he's kind of been expected to follow him there, but supposedly left the, um, visit this weekend his official visit this weekend um feeling that south carolina was the best place for him yeah so, that's kind of a name that sort of surfaced really recently i mean that was a guy wasn't even on my radar about a month ago and i've been hearing a lot about this kid the last week he sounds like a good player i mean yeah he comes from a real big high school in tampa um i mean he was you know he's part of oregon's great class that they had going there before taggart left so um i think he's a guy that it's gonna be really interesting if both mincy and Thompson decide they want to commit to South Carolina because just really they don't have the spots with both of them, assuming uh, Bryce Thompson is academically eligible and uh, signs next Wednesday, which is looking right now like he will Um, because they really only have three spots and now they've got four guys. Right. Um, So it's going to be interesting if they go with John Mincy, who's kind of a lower rated prospect, but fills a need. Or Warren Thompson, who most I, I feel like most people would kind of say you just he's a guy you can't really say no to. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that kind of all unfolds. So you're saying right now they have with the 18 signees they've got room for four, so they're going to finish with 22. Is that right? No, it'll be um, so they've got by my numbers. I think they have 19 signer. They had 12. Yeah, they had 12 early enrollees, and then they've got seven uh, signed. It's a and crazy then, number. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's really crazy. It's going to be interesting how, it, how this all uh, continues to unfold. And then kind of got, and then I've got three verbals with Bryce Thompson, Ronnie Jamison, Lamarius Benson, which brings them up to 22. But uh, Jamison and Benson aren't expected to be part of the class. Right. So they're at about uh, 21, or so they're at 20, excuse me. But Tyson, uh, Tyson Williams counts against this class because he was a transfer. Right, and that's they're right. also bringing on um, Tyreek Johnson, who actually is a defensive end. A lot of people aren't talking about him. Everybody's saying that the Gamecocks aren't bringing in any defensive ends in this class. Um, Tyreek Johnson was a signee, a 2017 signee, but he gray-shirted because he had to get surgery. And um, so he'll be coming in with the 2018 class, and he'll count against those commits as well. So they've got that brings him back up to 22. So they've got pretty much four guys that are recruiting very strongly right now, but only three spots. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Okay, Bert. That, that's why we got you here, Alex, to do the math for me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> One guy I want to talk about, I know I didn't have it on our list here. One guy I want to talk about, though, that you were able to watch in person, actually, is the carry-on joiner. Um, talk about kind of your impressions of the quarterback. He's another guy. He did enroll early, correct? I, yeah, he did enroll early, I believe. That's how I moved yes. in. Um Talk about your impressions to carry on Joiner. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone expects him to play this year, obviously. But you know, with Brian McClendon, I believe South Carolina moving more towards a tempo type offense. 
um, little probably a little bit more quick hitter, quick pace. Talk about just your impressions of him when you watched him play last fall, and you know what kind of contributor you think he can be. Not this year, obviously, but just throughout his Gamecock career. Um, I did see him at the beginning of the season, so I just still want to add that caveat. Um, I don't know how you know how big a strides he made by the end of the season. I do know statistically he had a lot more. He was throwing a lot better towards the end of the season. I don't know if that was you know was part of the scheme or he was actually right. playing a lot better. Um, but, um, it was, it was obvious he, he, he has work to do as a passer. And I think, you know, as most quarterbacks do when they go to college. So it's going to be a, it's going to be good for him to sit in that quarterback room uh, behind Jake Bentley. He's really going to see how to approach the game and how to attack film and, you know, just learn. And, um, I think year, two years, whatever of him sitting on the bench is really going to be good for him in that aspect. Now he is already a dynamic threat on the ground. Um, he's hard to bring down, at least for at the high school level. He he could pretty much take over a game and not have to throw the ball. Um, I've seen him make a few impressive throws over the middle of the field, but um, when I saw him, he was a, he was a, it was a story of two halves. First half he couldn't he couldn't hit uh, broadside of a barn, and the second half he came out looked much more focused and was was able to hit some decent decent throws on on the on the sideline. Um, but I think he's the guy, he's going to be, he doesn't need to be the most polished passer to be uh, successful at the college level, but um, he's, he has some strides to make and it'll, it'll be good for him to sit in that room, that quarterback room for a year or two and learn under uh, Jake Bentley. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I've seen it's, you know, obviously some bold, bold comparisons, but I've seen some comparisons from him to Lamar Jackson. Do you think, you know, obviously he's not that player right now, but do you think he could be the kind of guy he has that sort of dynamic nature on the, on, you know, with his legs that he could be that kind of player for South Carolina or is that, that may be asking too much of him. I'm not going to say he's the next Lamar Jackson, but he, you know, that's, he has a similar skill set, whereas he can beat you on the, you know, he can beat you on the ground from the quarterback position. So I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to be as successful as Lamar, Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick or you no know, whoever, but um, that's his his skill set that he brings to the table. And you know, if he is able to, you know, work out his kinks in the passing game, yeah, I think you are looking at a very dangerous uh, football player. Absolutely. So last recruiting questions. I want to get into some Gamecock basketball. Obviously, you know, we, you've been watching. We want to talk some Gamecock basketball, a lot going on in the uh, the basketball world for sure. But kind of just a basic recruiting question I have for you, Alex. And, and if I'm completely wrong, you can just tell me how stupid I am for even thinking this. But to me, with recruiting, you know, it's really interesting. I think everybody obviously, you know, worries about what the rankings are. And, you know, I think the coaches are more so, you know, obviously if a kid's a four or five star, he's probably a good player. And, you know, for, he's probably – that uh, receive that merit for reason. But, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up in the rankings between are they top five, top 10, top 15. You know, in my personal opinion, because I think when South Carolina was winning big under Steve Spurrier, you know, they were never really like a top five recruiting program. They were, they, you know, I think their best year, they were like seventh maybe, but they sat around like, I feel like 11th, 12th, between 10 and 15. I, I kind of get the sense and the feeling, Alex. And like I said, this is completely my opinion. You can tell me if I'm wrong. That kind of once you're in the top 15 of recruiting rankings, that at that point, you know, everybody's pretty much – everybody's pretty good. It just comes down to coaching at that point. Would you would you say there's any merit to my opinion on that? I mean, I understand being, you know, number one in recruiting. I think from the standpoint, it just helps you with depth if your entire class is five stars. But, I mean, do you think there's really that much of a, you know, disparity or discrepancy between the 15th ranked class and the first ranked class, or is it, is it a much, much bigger gap than I'm giving it credit for? Um, there probably is a big difference between the 15th ranked class and the first ranked class. Cause look, all the five stars, we know they're really good. They've had a bunch of people go to their games. They've had a bunch of people watch their tape. We know they're good. Now, once you get down to the lower rated four stars, the mid three stars, those these are guys that haven't been evaluated as fully, um, you know, uh, assuming they don't go to a huge high school that, you know, does have a bunch of people watching them. And that's where you'll find coaches really, you know, evaluations and coaching staffs really be able to make a difference. I mean, all you have to do is look at Wisconsin. They might sign one or two four-star each cycle, yet every year they're competing for the Big Ten championship because they've learned how to evaluate talent, find guys that buy into their culture and their coaching staff just does a heck of a job of coaching them up. So 
Um, I don't think, I do think, I'd maybe say maybe a more fair evaluation is maybe between 15 and five doesn't make as big of a difference. Because once you really get into that top one, two, three, four, you know those guys are really good. Those guys are game changers. I mean, obviously there's a bust here and there, but these are guys everybody's kind of watched and said, hey, yeah, they're good. They get the seal of approval. Down, you know, and you start get classes that are half full of mid to you know high or low three star guys. I think that's where you start to see the difference in the the really um, the evaluations of the coaching staff. Now, obviously, if you have a team that's signing a top five class every year and they're not putting product on the field, then you probably know that coaching staff isn't that great. Absolutely, awesome, good stuff, good stuff. All right, like I said. Alex, want to move into a little bit, little bit of Gamecock basketball. Obviously, you know you follow the Gamecock, so I uh, want to talk a little bit of basketball. South Carolina right now currently sitting fifty uh, third in RPI, I believe was the last time I checked. They're right there in the fifties, if not there. Um, two and two over their last four, not bad. I mean, you've had some really big wins against um, Kentucky and Florida, coupled mm-hmm. with a couple of huge missed opportunities, both at home um, against Tennessee and Texas Tech. You know, Alex. I'll ask you. I think what South Carolina's record right now? They're what are they? Thirteen and eight. Um, you know, kind of. I'll just ask you, Alex. What's your take on this team? How, what are your feelings on this team at this point in the season? It's a mixed bag of emotions. Um, <laughs> this is a lot better team than we saw at the beginning of conference play. That's that's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I guess just because of the overall record and the losses they have, they've already had this season, going two and two over the last four kind of hurts. And just kind of the way the Tennessee and Texas Tech games ended, knowing that you had a you know an ample shot to win those games, that kind of hurts as well. But realistically, in a stretch with uh, you know Florida, Kentucky, Georgia, and or sorry, Florida, Kentucky, Texas Tech, and who was the other one? Tennessee, Georgia. Tennessee um, really isn't bad. And they got, you know, that's two quality wins. They put, they, they have put themselves in a position to make a tournament, which is good. Now it's just, are we going to be able to see consistent play for the rest of the season? That I think that's the biggest question. They haven't proven that yet. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, Jerry Palm of CBS before the game Saturday had South Carolina as the 11 seed actually. Uh, which is something I did not think I would see all year. I didn't think I'd see anyone have South Carolina in their March Madness bracketology. But, yeah, Saturday definitely hurt. I mean, you basically what I think Texas Tech went on a 13-2 to run to end the game, just sort of took over. I think South Carolina's youth and inexperience took over. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm a broken record talking about it, but I feel like college basketball is all about guard play. I mean, you look at Texas Tech, Keenan Evans had just one of his better games the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um Wesley Myers, who had a fantastic game at Florida at 22 points, basically non-existent. I mean, two points. They weren't – you know, he didn't make a single field goal, two points off of free throws. He, Alex missed, and I, he missed two free throws with, uh, I think, like 210 left to put the Gamecocks up three and right. four. And after yep. that was when the 13-2 the streak or whatever uh, started. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I'll ask you, Alex, because it's, it's been one thing I've harped on all season, obviously, with, you know, who's going to step up a guard? Is it going to be Asani Gravity? Is it going to be Wesley Myers? Is it Manaya? Is it Frank Booker? What's your take on kind of South Carolina's guard woes? I mean, do you think there's a guy that's going to step up? Or are we going to continue to see inconsistency for the rest of the season? We've seen fairly consistent play from Justin Manaya. It's just his shot hasn't always been hitting, which, you know, that happens. But if you're still playing, you know, well and – all the other aspects of the game and on, especially on defense and Frank Martin's system. I think the game has can kind of live with that. What's what's killing them is between Frank Booker, Wes, Wesley Myers and Hassani Gravit, just the, uh, like you said, just the blatant inconsistency is just uh, the cold streaks are just ridiculous. And we, uh, they can't get more than one of them or two of them to be on at the same time. It seems like, um, because all three of them have shown they, you know, they can be solid players, um, but you know you'll just see the mindless turnovers and, and fouls and uh, just sometimes the straight up inability to stay in front of their man on defense. So it's very frustrating to watch. You've seen a lot of promising aspects. Um, I do think Weston Myers. I think we'll see probably more consistent play out of him. I think he probably just had an off game. Um, and Texas Tech is a very good team. 
Right. I really feel like Wesley Myers needs to be that guy, and I think he can be that guy. I mean, anybody that has the type of game he had at Florida obviously is talented. I mean, it's, it's, without it, it's in there. You know what I mean? I, I The one guy I want to see step up his play is Frank Booker. I mean, I, it's crazy to me. Like he, he has a really good shot, I feel like, but there are some times, I'm not sure if you noticed this, where he'll catch the ball. He'll be wide open on a three, and I think he's almost surprised how open he is. And he'll like double clutch and not pull the shot. And he either passes it, or by the time he pulls the shot, he's hesitated so much that it's basically guaranteed he's going to miss. I don't know if it's a mental thing with him or what, but I mean, to me, I think Frank Booker. You know, I was kind of fighting for him. I thought he should even get more playing time the way he was shooting the ball. And man, I, I he, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like you already said. I mean, it's just it's either on or it's off. And you know, what I tell people with South Carolina basketball right now is, you know, the kind of team South Carolina is is, you know. They're a team that when it's not on, it's just so ugly. It just looks so, so bad. So um, definitely going to need more consistency for sure. I mean, how many games have I had this year shooting under 30%? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they had they went on a nine-game stretch where they shot under 40% and somehow won, you know, three or four of those games. So, um, you know, one person, though, that's not struggling this year, my you know, my opinion, I think most Gamecock fans and really college basketball fans would agree is Frank Martin. I mean – you know, the coaching job he's done after losing, you know, all the guys, Sendarius, Thornwell, uh, P.J. Dozier, Dwayne Notice, that whole team, Rakeem Felder doesn't play, uh, Corey Holden's been hurt the entire year. I mean, you know, Frank Martin's got to be – he may not get any kind of recognition for Coach of the Year, but, I mean, Alex, I, I'd be I'd be willing to say this is probably one of his best coaching jobs, probably as a co- head college basketball coach. It's really impressive, especially after you look at how they started conference play with those losses to and blown uh, out by Bama and, and Missouri. Missouri and Ole Miss. Um, it's it's extremely impressive, especially when you listen to his press conferences and he says, "I recognize there's a problem. I'm gonna fix it." And here we are, um, a month and some change later. And you know, I don't want to say it's fixed, but you can. It's it 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 almost looks like you're watching a different team. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, you know, if there's anybody who can do it, it's Frank Martin. Obviously, he's one of the most well-respected head coaches in the game. And, I, you know, I think South Carolina fans, we're all feel very blessed to have him as our, as the head coach. Um, one of the things that, you know, he's talked about that I think has been a huge deal, and, I, you know, we made a huge deal at Armchair South Carolina, was the addition of Brian Bowen. Now, he's obviously not playing right now, and they're still working out things to make sure he's going to be eligible in the fall. But, you know, adding a guy to the practice squad, I mean, it was crazy to hear Frank Martin talk about, you know, there was Dwayne Notice came back and was practicing, and you had some other graduate uh, grad assistants having to practice just because the amount of, you know, bodies they were lacking. Um, it, it definitely seems to me just kind of added, you know, fueling the uh, competitive spirit and practice of Brian Bowen and the raw Felders come back to the team as well. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it seems to be no coincidence to me that as soon as Brian Bowen committed and came on campus that, you know, they've been playing a little better. I mean, I just think having him kind of in the fold, a five-star guy, McDonald's All-American, you know, I think he's a guy that I think everybody's going to agree as soon as he hits the floor for South Carolina is going to contribute in a huge way. Um Talk about, you know, we were talking about a little football recruiting with you earlier, obviously. Talk about a little basketball recruiting, you know, what it means for South Carolina basketball to get Brian Bowen. Like I said, we made a huge deal of it because I don't really feel like South Carolina gets these type of guys. But just to have a guy like Brian Bowen in the fold and how he impacts the Gamecock program right now and then obviously moving the fall. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's huge. I don't think um, just with the way Frank Martin recruits, I don't think anybody ever expected South Carolina to land any uh, McDonald's All-Americans or high four or five-star guys um but yeah just going back to what you said a second ago like like you said it's no coincidence that you know he gets on the he gets in the practice court um you know they get raw felder in the in the practice court and you know this team starts playing a lot better um you know if you're guarding somebody that's pretty good every day you know you're going to get better at defense if you're going to get somebody that's pretty good against defense every day you might learn a few new tricks on offense you know so um it's huge. Um, I guess from a strictly recruiting standpoint, it's kind of curious to me. Um, I guess if we'll see how things go with him, but if he does end up, end up being a one and done, um, if other one and, and he is successful, if, cause right now the, uh, I, I see a lot that uh, people are trying to say Frank Martin is a great coach for him. If he wants to be a one and done because he'll teach him about the defensive rigors of the NBA. Right. Um if he is, if he is one and done, and he ends up kind of being successful, it'll, it'll be interesting to me if, if, if South Carolina starts getting more looks 
from from these bigger uh these bigger name recruits and um because of that um but i don't think it's going to change frank martin's recruiting strategy or anything like that but it's cool for south carolina um it's very cool for south carolina and it brings you know it brings more attention to the program yeah 100 percent. so another thing i didn't have listed but uh i definitely want to get your opinion on sort of old news but zion williamson committing to duke and I think what was a shocker to most fans, I think, God, everyone I saw had him going to Clemson. You know, again, just from, your, you know, your recruiting perspective, talk about, you know, were you surprised at the Zion Williamson announcement? Did you ever feel South Carolina really had any any shot with him? Or was it, you know, what, what was your opinion on the whole situation? Um, no, I kind of knew South Carolina was never really in it. Now, when the whole FBI investigation uh, broke out, I, I – I think that changed things a little bit. Um, but no, I, I kind of, um, I have a buddy who, who worked, worked with some guys who coach at Spartanburg day and, uh, they kind of knew, you know, he, he liked South Carolina. He enjoyed South Carolina, but he wanted, I think he wanted to get away, um, from his hometown a little bit, which is understandable. Um, but I, I was surprised, uh, when he said Duke, I think pretty much everybody was. Um, but I mean, He's he's going to be fun to watch at the next level. There's no doubt about it. I mean, obviously, I would have loved to see him in, in Garnet and Black, but um, yeah, I I, I uh, talked about this a little bit when I'm on the radio last week, and they asked, you know, what can, you know, what needs to happen for these top in-state, you know, basketball players to stay in-state, you know, and kind of stay home, and you know, I really told the guy, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I just think the biggest thing that comes down to for a guy like Zion Williamson, I mean, I don't like you mentioned, he wanted to get away from home. I I don't know all the personal stuff with him, but. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it, it has to be, he has to look at the situation and say, you know, I go to Duke, there's two things I'm guaranteed, or maybe a couple of things I'm guaranteed. One, I'm going to be on ESPN basically every night. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to make the tournament, probably be a high seed doing so, probably one or two, and I'm going to get to the league. So, I, you know, I, it, I'm not sure if South Carolina couldn't have provided him with that, but I don't know. I think at the end of the day, these guys, these in-state guys, at least these big-time basketball recruits are just sort of taking the guarantee with – you know, they know when they go to Duke or UNC or Kentucky or Kansas or whatever, I just think they, they know that they're going to – you know, obviously those guys have great coaches, but they're going to get that exposure and they're going to have every opportunity to be a one-and-done and get to the league. So I don't really know what the answer <clears throat> what the answer is to keep those guys home. I mean, I think Frank Martin's a great coach, and, you know, he, he's going to get the guys he needs. And obviously South Carolina made the Final Four, the guys they had last year. But I, I, just, I, I do think it's an interesting, you know, interesting uh, talking point for sure. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't know that there's – I mean, there's certainly no quick fix. I mean, unless, you know, South Carolina starts making it to the Final Four every year, I don't I don't think that's that's going to change anytime soon. I mean, it's the same as in as, – I mean, basketball and football recruiting are obviously very different, but, you know, it's the same story. You have a, you know, a hometown 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 guy for any school. You know, when Alabama comes calling, it's, it's going to be tough to keep them around. So – you know, you just see it everywhere. They're, you know, players want to go where they're going to have the best chance to, where they feel they have the best chance to succeed, whether it be, you know, some people want early playing time. Some people want to ensure they get to the league. Everybody has different priorities and, and, you know, rightfully so everybody should go to the school that, you know, they feels best for them. Yep. No, I agree hundred percent with you. So we're going to get you out of here, Alex. I know, you know, I kind of ran you a little bit long today, but I want to get last question for you as far as regarding Carolina basketball and your opinion you had to call it right now. Does South Carolina make the NCAA tournament? If they do not, do you think they make the NIT? What's kind of the uh, going to be the end game for the Gamecocks this year? Oh, man. Um, that's going to be a tough one. I think, I mean, they've got some quality wins under their belt. If they, you know, if they feel like if they win more games than they lose, they're sitting, they're, you know, sitting pretty good. Um, if we start, you know, if the Gamecocks start to revert back to the early conference play form, they'll be in some trouble. Um, you know, I'm not too up and up on basketball seating, but I feel like they've got they've they've got to be looking at an NIT bid unless things completely fall apart. Yeah, I completely agree. I think South Carolina at this point, unless Wesley Myers kind of re rekindles the magic he had in Gainesville, I think South Carolina's sort of staring at the NIT, which <clears throat> you know, I think Coming into this season, if you told me South Carolina was an NIT bound team, and you told me kind of that they would shoot under forty percent nine games in a row for a stretch, and 
you know, I would say that was a pretty good year. I think most Gamecock fans at this point in the season wouldn't be too, too terribly disappointed, at least showing progress. And like I said, you got Brian Bowen, you got a little bit of momentum in the program, Rakeem Felder coming back. So it'll be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. So um, we do have one listener question for you, Alex. You can kind of address this one quickly address this one quickly i feel like it's pretty straightforward uh comes from reddit at frobro 989 will south Carolina hit 25 total signees for this class um they'll sign a full class it won't be 25 actual signees because of what we talked about earlier they have a couple scholarships that are counting uh 25 is the scholarship limit so they've got one going to tyson williams because he was a transfer and another one going to tyreek johnson who gray gray shirted so uh, i think that that'll mean they'll sign 23 guys 23, 23 brand new ones. Yep. Don't, hold, don't hold me to that, but uh, that's what <laughs> my math says. Yeah, Frobro, that's why we have, again, that's why we have Alex doing the math for us here on the Spurs Up show. So, uh, again, Alex, you know, it was a pleasure. <clears throat> Excuse me. We know you're always a friend of the show. You know, definitely plan on having you back on again. Uh, talk Gamecock football, recruiting, basketball, kind of everything Gamecock. So, we appreciate your time. Um, before we wrap it up again, be sure, Alex, actually – Tell the people where you can follow everything with Armchair Recruiting. You guys obviously do a great job. Kind of uh, go ahead and plug you guys' as, uh, coverage right now real quick. Yeah, you can uh, follow us at Armchair Recruiting. That's Armchair, C-R-O-O-T-I-N. And, uh, yeah, we do lots of great coverage. We have uh, coverage all over in every conference. We are currently in a blitz building up our recruiting department, so we're going to have lots of new great stuff coming everybody's way. So be sure to give us a follow. We love to do interviews. Uh, we love to highlight guys who are under-recruited, may have a chance at uh, grabbing a scholarship. So don't hesitate to follow follow us. And you can follow me personally at Armchair Alex. I hope you guys can spell that. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Well, again, you know who we are with the Spurs Up show, iTunes, Stitcher. Rate, subscribe, share, download. Obviously, armchairallamericans.com, Twitter, and Instagram. You guys know where to find us. Uh, Again, for Alex Reynolds, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you again, Alex, coming on. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you again next time on the next episode of the Spurs Up Show. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.